Greetings and salutations. Hi. I'm Josh Belcher. Get the super sauce. I'll change into my super suit. <laughs> this is Uncharted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, shapes, sorts, and sizes. This is Josh Belcher, host of the Uncharted Podcast. Hope you're having a phenomenal week. Uh, mine's been so far so good. Uh, got a good thumbs up from my doctor, checked my right shoulder. Everything is on the up and up, and he released me to drive again. and said if I keep my progression within six weeks, I can be released back into the world of work. Where I can go back to my two jobs. Pretty grateful for that. I mean, uh, I like having some time off, but you can go stir crazy when you're accustomed to working two gigs. So I hope you're having an awesome week as well. We have a bevy of awesome guests this week. We have fashion designing icon Manuel. We have singer-songwriter Scott Sean White on board to talk about his new album and everything that's going on in his life. Uh, living in Texas and commuting to Nashville to be a songwriting juggernaut. So without further ado, we'll get going with the Uncharted Podcast. Enjoy, everyone. On this episode of the Uncharted Podcast, we have fashion icon Manuel. Uh, you've probably heard this name because he's probably the most famous fashion designer, at least uh, for music artists uh, that I've ever known. Um, he's designed clothes for Elvis. He's the reason Johnny Cash wore black. He did stuff for the Beatles. Uh, he does stuff for Marty Stewart. Um, his stuff is everywhere. It's those really awesome sparkly rhinestone country Americana Western wear outfits that you see um, artists wearing, you know, like the old school vintage uh, country uh, Grand Ole Opry performances and uh, stuff uh, today. So the list goes on and on. So I interviewed Manuel. That's coming up. Hope you enjoy it. I know you've been busy, and that was going to be my first question. Uh, what, what's going on currently at Manuel's? What, what do you got uh, cooking up as we speak? Well, you know, there's always something going on here. I mean, new clients <laughs> like crazy, and people want to get the heck out of their homes, and they want to walk away from these times, and, you know, artists all the new artists were dressing. I hope they all do well. You know, that's all I can tell you. But in reality, <laughs> that's what it is, man. Yeah, I understand. Well, you make the, the finest designs uh, I've ever seen anyway. I'm, I'm, you're probably busy from uh, open to close, I'd imagine. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> I wanted to ask. I, I looked. I couldn't believe it because you, you don't look it. You certainly don't act it. But at 87... You know, you're still going in every day. What do you credit to your longevity? What keeps you going? Tequila. <laughs> Is that the secret? I don't know. I keep telling the doctors, I say, don't you, when I say, what do you think as you change it? Don't you change your diet? <laughs> but they don't say drink tequila. They're smart people, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, well, it's just that you know when you get to do what you like and you love, it really never work. I haven't worked one hour that I remember. You know. Well, I was really, I was really impressed. I, I was uh, watching another interview you did. Uh, you were talking about how you but you started a long time ago, I guess. Uh, uh, in Mexico, sewing dresses. Mexico, and, uh, I was seven years old. Yeah. Wow. That's so impressive. And I started making dresses for young ladies and old ladies at the <laughs> age of 12, and then had to live a proper life, you know, go to school, college, and get my degree in psychology, and then I moved to Baja California, and from Baja California, I moved to L.A., and, he, and you know, that's when the whole thing exploded. Mm-hmm. Because uh, in L.A. I had the chance to but there's people that I really didn't even know who in the world they were, like Frank Sinatra, whatever, you know. Yes, sir. And 
it, it went off like a, like a skyrocket. You know, I, I I've been very lucky. I've been I tell everybody about Switzerland, deputy. You know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it's, it's not that career is not impressive enough, but a degree in psychology does that does that help you with the people you deal with, with so many people from so many different walks of life? Of course, it, probably <laughs> from my own life. I I just you know I helped a lot of kids and runaway kids and yeah, uh, better women in in California, but I don't. I don't do that anymore. I do it for friends sometimes when they need a little yeah. advising. Uh-huh. Well, why not, you know? <laughs> but um, other than that, I just I just keep myself into my own little atmosphere here, which is designing and cutting clothes for so many people. Yeah, you know? so many. And I remember first discovering you um, as a I, I'm a I was born and raised in Middle Tennessee. I've lived here most of my life. But watching all the suits that you made, I guess while you were with Nudie, like um, you know, the Buck Owens and the Porter Wagners and all that, you were responsible for all those. Uh, those yes, uh, of course, of yeah. course, I am for all of those pieces because well, Nudie was not doing that when I he became my father, though, and I worked. For with him for not with him for him <laughs> actually <laughs> for fourteen years and then treated me like a king. I I think I made him successful and stuff like that and then he loved me and treated me like a king until one day he didn't. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. I've I've worked for <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, I di- <laughs> I divorced his daughter, he divorced me and then but we <laughs> Good terms, everybody, until the day he died. Yeah, but I never worked for him anymore. Yeah, went on well, my own, and it's been a golden era for me. <laughs> is that is that when you decided to make the move here to Nashville? Oh no, that was ooh, that was years later. I I came to Nashville in 1988, 32 years ago. Mm-hmm. Almost thirty-three in October, but you know that's the way it is. Yeah, uh, I just uh, decided that it was time for me to move on, and but the LA thing to Nashville was my wife didn't think we were having a good chance to raise our kids over there, so uh-huh. we brought them here, and uh, quite a difference. They're all professional. They're all cool. We yeah, love our family, you know. That's great. Although, although her and me we're not together anymore, but that's where it was. A very, very nice, you know. Yeah. Well, we, we're certainly glad to have you. I've yet to uh, come to your store. I've always wanted to, but my main fear is, is I've always wanted to try on something. Are people allowed to do that? Of course they are. <laughs> we're normal people. We are the service of people that come and shop and do things, you know. Yeah. We're not a store store, but we're a studio kind of, yeah. kind of a nice homey atmosphere. It's no big deal. Well, you deal, make but... your appointment. We wait for you. If you don't want an appointment, you you might be coming in, but we probably you know how, how that is. If you want a special treatment, you come make your appointment, come in, and then we go from there. Good deal. Um, well, in, in lieu of his recent birthday, uh, Johnny Cash, I wanted to ask you. Uh, I've heard that you're the reason he started dressing in black. Is is that a, is that a true story? Well, of course it's a true story. But you know, like just like he said, I wore black before, but then Manuel showed me, uh, dressed me all my life in a better black. <laughs> <laughs> that's too cool. I like it because that's what he was known for. That's too neat. Um, yeah. Have you in your career ever gotten nervous uh, tailing for anyone? Is there anybody that you got starstruck over? I wouldn't, I wouldn't think they would, but I was just curious. Oh no, no, no! I am, I'm too difficult to be impressed by personalities. You know, <laughs> I love my clients, and I look at them as like, like people. Yeah. So they don't really impress me. They don't really, you know. I dress yeah. for presidents of this country. Oh, and wow. I press yeah. the other famous people that you guys think is the most famous people, like the Beatles, like the Rolling Stones, like the yeah. Edwin and Fire, like, you know, a lot of 
huge yeah. groups of Jekyll Five and yeah. all of those people, you know, yeah. BDs and what have you. But you know what? They're all people. <laughs> They're just people. Yeah. You know, human beings on two legs, and that's it, man. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I, I get a little starstruck myself, especially with talking to you. Um, you even made that that really uh, awesome gold suit that Elvis you see him still today on an advertisement. Yeah, that, that was 1956, California. I can hardly remember. Yes, I did. <laughs> and the comeback suit and the jumpsuits for Las Vegas, all that I did for him. Oh yeah, that's great. Like those those jumpsuits, like you see at his home when you go, and he has that case full of them. <laughs> Did, uh, hey man, I you know I did all the beginning of Elvis from the seventy three on or seventy two on whenever he got real sick and died. You know we don't even want to remember that. But there was people that did uh, jumpsuits copies for Hawaii and things like that, which is cool. You know I don't care. Yeah. But I wasn't making his clothes in the last year because mm-hmm. he was alive. Yeah. Oh, I, I just no. He had he he turned into a different person. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that. I, I like to remember him of, of the days when you like when you made outfits for him and he was rocking and rolling. So yeah. <laughs> now, um, you had mentioned the Rolling Stones, and I heard that you were responsible for them and the Grateful Dead insignias. Now, you created those two. They're both iconic. Yes, of course I did. Wow, I did. that's so impressive. But the, but it's funny to say that I created a tongue. God created a tongue. I just put it on a goddamn piece of fabric. <laughs> no big deal. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's still neat though. I mean, because it's, it's it's. I know it's, because it became iconic for, for yeah. them. You know, yeah. and I'm glad they did money with that stuff. They still do it. Uh huh. Do you? Um, you have part, a... <laughs> still working hard. Yeah, you still. Doing your thing. Do you have a favorite suit that you ever made? Is there any one or a couple that, that really stick out to you that you're completely the most proud of? The next one I make. <laughs> I hear you. As long as you keep going. And uh, are you all, I figured, uh, did you all, or are you making like COVID masks and stuff right now? I did at least about three, 4,000 so far. That I'm fed up with that shit. Let's get rid of all this crap. <laughs> Just real life, you know. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I, I I for the first time in my life, thirty eight years, I I was in Nashville a few uh, about four or five months ago, and first time I ever heard it quiet down there. I could hear the water fountain down there where the symphony. Oh is. man, the streets look like a holdout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they don't have his gun in their hands, but the mask and all that bull, you know, it's all right. I mean, I. I advise everybody to wear one, but uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's just um, getting old for some people that oh, yeah. are used to the good life, and then all of a sudden, no bars, no dancing, no whatever, and, you know. People get tired soon of that, you know. Did you, you didn't get COVID, did you, or been exposed to it? No, no, no. I've been uh, vaccinated, but not, no, I never got nothing. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that because um, mm-hmm. I, w- I want to yeah. come meet. I want to come meet you and shake your hand. Uh, I don't want you to well, get sick. <laughs> okay. Well, let's do it, man. Yeah, my my favorite suits you make. I'm a fan of because I'm a I'm a heavier dude. Uh, black and blue. That I just think that really pops when I see those. And I've seen Marty Stewart wear them several times in his. Performance. Oh yeah, he's yeah. that kid. You know, he was just here about ten minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. How neat. That's that is so awesome. Um, now, for 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 a poor podcaster like me, do you guys have lay, layaway options if I wanted to suit and come out there and live with that one? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of course, we we have all sorts of facilities. You know, cool. that is awesome. No problem. On this episode of the Uncharted Podcast, we have singer songwriter. Scott Sean White. Now he is a phenomenal 
artist. Uh, he's got a great voice. His voice uh, transfers really easily from his speaking voice into singing, and he is the kind of songwriter that writes from his heart and soul, the kind I really, really enjoy. Now, he's got a brand new album in the works coming out real soon called Call It Even, and a single that you need to check out on YouTube, really great video called Dad's Garage and Mama's Kitchen. We talk about all that and more right now on the Uncharted Podcast. Enjoy. All right, Scott. Uh, well, I wanted to tell you, uh, you know, call it even. But first of all, it's coming out April 23rd, which yeah. isn't great far off. Um, you're my kind of songwriter. I just discovered you thanks to your fine PR people. But you write songs like I like, like you're an emotional writer. You write like a lyrical soul. Um, loved every bit of it. And uh, I think this is a fantastic accomplishment. I'm glad you're sharing your gift uh, with the world as far as your own personal spin. And... I'm going to keep running my mouth. You're actually a singer-songwriter that can sing, too. That's very important <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to do such a thing. I mean, like I said, there's plenty of them, but there's some guys you're like, all right, I know now why they pitch songs instead of you. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I appreciate all that. That's for sure. Yeah, and as we're, yeah yes, sir, and as we're discussing, you know, uh, you know, uh, Poetry Texas, you know, the, the, the horrific snowstorms you guys have had and, you were telling me mm-hmm. that's how the people were doing, and you were telling me about your wife and everything. And if you could kind of reiterate so the listeners will know how your how things are going your way. Oh yeah, um, yeah. My wife was here uh, last week during uh, snowpocalypse or whatever they call it. Yeah, no doubt. And I was. I actually was in Nashville planning to write all week, and I even went up a day early. I went up Saturday because I knew that storm was coming in Sunday, and I didn't want to have problems driving. And so we both ended up um, off all week, <laughs> snowed yeah. in uh, a few states away from each other, and um, all my rights canceled in Nashville, even though we've been Zooming the freaking whole, um, you know, sure. pandemic. Yeah. And then all of a sudden a snowstorm happens and we can't even Zoom. Yeah, everybody's, everybody's too worried about getting the Kroger at Walmart, getting all that milk, eggs, and bread. You know, but – uh. <laughs> But here in Texas, my wife, we live out in the sticks, like you said, in this little town called Poetry. And and um, for whatever reason, um, she didn't have it nearly as bad out here. She only lost power Wednesday, um, and that was only for 15 to 30 minutes at a time. Now, she did run out of natural gas Thursday about 4 p.m. Um, from our, our, our own tank here, you know. Yeah. And uh, But they got out here. Friday at 1 p.m. and refilled it. The house got down to about 50 uh, that night, but you know she was bundled up and and, and fine. So um, we we're we're blessed, and luckily none of the pipes in the barn froze because we have a couple of horses and a in a in a nice barn. And nice. we've had we've had those pipes in the barn break before, and that is not fun. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you have it, uh, but those uh, little kind of like little water fountains for horses and animals and livestock mm-hmm. if, uh, if they if those types bust they are not inexpensive to replace from what i understand yeah we don't have those um we don't we have five acres total and our horses are on about four of that I hear you. and um so we have a pond that was completely frozen over uh, oh boy. the first time that happened yeah in texas how crazy is that yeah, frozen over. My wife was like, she let the horses out one day, and she's like, I'm just worried about them, you know, not realizing that the pond is the pond. I was like, man, they've been here for five years. They know that's a pond. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and while well, I said that, I had my fingers crossed. I was like, oh, they know this pond. And um, But, yeah, she would let them out during the day because uh, it, it started to get sunny, uh, you know, during the day, like Thursday and Friday. Um, so the horses, you know, they had blankets on. They were they were great outside. So, but yeah, um, so glad the pipes didn't break in the barn. That happened several years back. Well, maybe our first year here, and um, there was just some PVC pipe in the barn, which is terrible for that. Yeah, <laughs> real yeah. thin PVC pipe. Uh-huh. And uh, I remember walking out towards the barn, and I heard this sound like a waterfall. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like. What is that noise? Yeah. And I open up the barn door. I'm like, said several words that I won't say here. I hear you. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I was like, whoa. There yeah. was just water rushing 
down in all the horse stalls. I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, and, and fast, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no time. Water be everywhere. No, I hear you. <laughs> <Four> yeah. <months. laughs> At least I had some water to play. <laughs> yeah, oh, so we, I, <laughs> we escaped all that this time, so we're we're thankful. So. Yeah. And I was going to tell you a tip uh, that I learned, you know, with the snowstorm is, Next time you run out of natural gas, uh, pinto beans and cornbread will remedy all that. <laughs> well, if I had been home, that'd have been fine. We'd have been we'd been great. But I was in yeah. Nashville. Yeah, when you and, said uh, natural you know, gas, that's where my mind went to. <laughs> yeah, my my wife and I have been together for thirty two years, married. Congrats. Thirty thirty and a half, and um, she's never farted in front of me. So. Well, that's a lady right there. That's class. There you go. I, uh, I'm, uh, you know, like I said, I'm 38 now and I'm, I'm getting to that age where like, I don't have the strength to hold it in. Like I've got a small window to get by myself. <laughs> oh, it's it's, it's going to make an appearance. Right. Right. Yeah, so but, you I know, try I to just, explain to my wife. She doesn't, she doesn't seem to accept that. Yeah. But that, that's a classy lady. That's a good way to be. I mean, you know, you, you're surprised after all that time. You're like, well, one day. One day one's going to sneak, but, you know, he just could be surprised. Yeah, I know, right? You would have thought accidentally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. exactly. So, mm-hmm. hey, that is uh, not only is an accomplishment in longevity and marriage, but uh, the, the farting streak, that, that might be a Guinness record. You might want to look it, into that. It might be. It yeah. might be. Longest uh, non-flagellant between spouses. That self-control, though, is probably also why she's actually still with me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah, behind Behind a, uh, a good man is a even better woman shaking her head or something. Someone right, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Well, uh, anyway, uh, thanks for sharing all that, and I'm glad you're doing okay. But uh, this album, like I said, is a true, it's a wonder. I really enjoy it. And I, I read the press release, and it basically says you're so busy that it took literally this pandemic for you to finally get this album complete and, and get everything in it you wanted to. Is that true? You got a lot that many irons in the fire? It did. Um amazingly i you know i'm in nashville two weeks every month writing i'm a staff writer there trying to write songs for for uh famous people who would actually make me some money and um <laughs> you know that that would be nice the money would be nice to pay for the farm yeah. and um but uh and then i play uh you know I play shows when there's not a pandemic um play house concerts and listening rooms and different stuff and so i'm i'm on the road about three weeks a month and um, in a typical situation. And when the pandemic hit, you know, none of us knew it was going to be that long. I mean, you know, we've all talked about this. When it started, we were all like, okay, two, three weeks, a month maybe, and we'll be back at it. Yeah. But, you know, three weeks in, and it was starting like, hey, this is just going to be indefinite. And about three weeks in, I was like, well, I have time to start on this record. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. And so I did, and I – started on it really one song at a time because, you know, I produced it myself. Um, so I just kind of put the bare bones together here at the house. And then I would, the internet is such a great thing in so many ways, despite all the, the pitfalls of it too. But mm-hmm. one of the great things is that I would put the bare bones together and then send it off to, you know, a friend in Nashville and a friend in Dallas and a friend in Austin and have them, you know, put their magic on it, send it back. You know, and uh, uh, that's how I did it, kind of one song at a time. And uh, I yeah. finished it, and then I had a had an engineer friend of mine in Nashville mix it um, just because I wanted it mixed right. <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I, could, I mean, it would have sounded all right if I had mixed it, but it wouldn't have sounded like it does now. And so I had him mix it. We finished it, um, I think it was – Late September, early October, when we finished mixing it. That's awesome. Yeah, and yeah. every song, it, it's well calculated. It, there's, it doesn't feel like any of it's just uh, like filling time. Uh, everything is deep, and you wrote a lot from personal experience as well with co-songwriter and, and uh, mm-hmm. al- alcoholism, drug addiction. Uh, just, just bared everything. Just uh, this is stripped down. This is like almost like uh, I guess your autobiography is the only way I could put it. It's like you just shared. Everything you could just ran packed it in there. Yeah, especially um especially the first song, um and title track, call it even. Yeah, uh, it's completely autobiographical and, and you know, as I tell people, every every word of it's true. And um and you know, I I didn't envision when I started working on the album, I knew that song was on there, I knew it was gonna be the title track 
it was always going to be the title track from the time I decided years ago at some point I need to do an album. Um, but I didn't think it was going to be the first song on the record. But the more I worked on the album, and then when I got to the point of starting to figure out what order to put things in, this uh, this voice that had been in my head through the whole process, which was just it was this great guiding light, <laughs> um, to use a, use a cliche, but um, this great guiding light was this voice kept saying, be you, just be you, like at every turn about choosing which songs went on the record and how to produce them and even how to sing them and every part of it. And then when I got to the part about choosing the order and that be you thing, it just echoed over and over um, through the whole process in my brain, I thought, well, there's no, there's no song out of the eleven that is more me completely than Call It Even. So even though it's five minutes long and really heavy, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> subject matter, um, you know, those would be the reasons you don't start the album with it. <laughs> well, no, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, it's a record label would be like, no, it's not a good idea. But yeah. thankfully. Um, I didn't, you know, have those constraints. And so I was just like, you know, this BU things keep keeps echoing in my head. I'm I'm gonna be me right off the bat and just yeah. start the record with this. So And uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the great songs you remember are five plus minutes. I mean, look at Pink Floyd, look at Don McLean's American Pie. You could like drive all the way to Nashville and that song wouldn't be over. <laughs> but uh, well, I like all those Eagle songs. Oh man, yeah. The Eagle absolutely. songs like Lion Eyes is six minutes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you turn that on, the next thing you know, you're like, well, I just crossed the state lines. Uh, but um, what I do, <laughs> what I do like about Call It Even, and this is a little bit more serious, is that I've never heard anybody, well, a Caucasian person like myself, address the N word. Now, was that coincidence or just perfect timing? Because it seems like, I mean, the way you put it and 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 how that was handled. Uh, it's like it's perfect fit for today's times where it's like everybody's apologizing for everything. Like, yeah. where did that come yeah. to be? I, I just really enjoyed that part because, you know, the meaning behind it and with everything that's going yeah. on, I'm just like, wow, that was well-placed. Well, you know, and that's funny. Um, that's one of the great things I've loved about these interviews so far is, is y'all notice stuff and point out stuff that I didn't think about, and you're exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, that was, uh, like I said, all of it's a true story. And and that memory of – and it was actually my stepdad uh, in real life. Um, that memory popped up in my head in my 20s about him, you know, pulling over the side of the road and giving me the speech about race. And, um, and you know, and this is the same dude that, you know, beat my mom in front of me. Uh, yeah. and, and, and so I didn't. I didn't have any fond feelings of him at all. But then there in my mid-20s, I, I hadn't thought about it in years. I'm driving down the road, and that memory pops in my head. When I asked him what the N-word was, it was the last time I said the N-word in life. And this dude grabbed my arm, man, and we were in an El Camino, a Ford El Camino. Heck, yeah. He pulled, he pulled over on Ranchero Road in Kerrville, Texas, and he <laughs> gave me this speech, man. And I was sitting there in my 20s. I remember this. And I'll just tell you straight up, it pissed me off. Yeah. Because I was like, this dude did something good for me. Yeah. And like, he shaped the way I see race for the rest of my life. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it was and the same dude that just made everything else about life hell. And it yeah. was uh, in, in my twenties. You know, I was just, I was. I was pissed, uh-huh. and I was also kind of confused. Like, how does that work? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, um, what? <laughs> but just as a person, you know, that loves music and your type of writing, uh, I, I, uh, I had that experience as well. But um, that memory, the way you described it, actually made me think of, for myself personally. It was so in depth of when I learned how to shoot the bird. Um, I was about six or seven, and I was taking karate classes. Mm-hmm. And the kid next to me, you know, pointed his middle finger at me. Of course, I had no idea what was going on, so I started doing it too. You know, I was like, "What is?" You know, but it just made me think of that memory. Like, you know, got right. basically the same thing. A little kid, right. I, mean, I got a stern talking to, but it was like, 
you you're you're taught racism. You're not, uh, yeah. or, or flipping the bird where you're you're not born with it. But it's right. good to it's good to nip it in the bud. And I'm not yeah. just saying that just for us as white people. I think all around the board, you know, just like oh, yeah. with the rappers, inward this, inward that. If it is such an issue, we got to yeah. eradicate it. It shouldn't even be in the vocabulary. Yeah. It just needs to be gone. Yeah. But that. Uh, I just enjoyed it because a it's a powerful statement and and addressing it as clean cut as you did, uh, you're taking your listener on a journey and it really was captivating for me and I appreciate you doing that so I really liked it. And thank you, I appreciate it. And then you made me cry, which is uh, is you know I'm a big sissy, but um. Uh, <laughs> me too. Uh, yeah, the uh, the the dad's garage and mom's kitchen. Watch the video. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has that '90s old school vibe, kind of like Shenandoah, Sunday in the South. Meets Duck mm-hmm. Stone, Little Houses, loved it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, 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 to, uh, with the most powerful words, there was always something needing fixing, man. I mean, that mm-hmm. hits you right in the in the heart heart sparks there, just perfect. Yeah. And then you mentioned five eights, which I've never heard in a song. <laughs> I know, I, I know. Like, five we were, eights. We were, we were yeah. totally excited about that. How could you not be? I was like, perfect. Five eights in a song. You have to have that. Lowe's is going to pick that up and be like, we'll give you a million dollars a month to just. Right. You know, you never, you would never, there's certain words and phrases that you're like, okay, that, that just is not song material. It'll never go in a song. Yeah. And then, but there's usually a song somewhere that you can put it in and it works. Yeah. And that, that was one of yeah. those. And you it know? sounded great. Yeah. It, it, it's hard to rhyme five eights, kind of like orange or something, but I was like, Right. That? Yeah. Uh, next challenge. Write this down. Uh, put throat lozenge in a song. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But no, I just uh, I love that because it fits perfectly. You know, like, I've never heard anybody give, you know, a socket in a song before. So, but I mean, the, gosh, the chorus, man, it just hits you. It's it's so perfect because, Thank you. you know, you can relate to all that. You know, everything something needs fixing, casseroles, carburetors. And that slick, Chevelle, is that yours? Uh, no, it was um, the day before the video shoot. Uh, the guy that played dad in the video, his name is Buddy. Uh-huh. He called me and he said, hey, man, he said, uh, I got a buddy. He's got an old Chevelle Super Sport. You want me to see if he'll bring it over? <laughs> uh, like, yeah, let me think about that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and so he did. <laughs> this guy named Felix Lizardo brought it over. And, uh, man, yeah. that, was, that was awesome. I like my, my favorite part watching the video. They are looking under the hood, it's under that clean engine, and I was like, are they trying to find something to fix? <laughs> you know, a funny story about that, you know, um, because when you're shooting the video footage for a music video, you know, um, the audio that's actually going on obviously doesn't end up in the, in the video, right? Uh-huh. And so in that spot where he and I are looking under the hood, he's like, well, there's a carburetor, and there's a fuel injector, and da 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 and I go, and I'm pointing in there, and I go, oh, there's some Cheetos down there. <laughs> you know. So if you actually heard what we were saying, it was just nonsense. Yeah. Kind of like the scene at the uh, at the kitchen table with mom, um, when she's uh, when she's like, you know, putting the the casserole on the plates or something. And I'm talking uh, right there. I'm saying something like, because I had a, a friend of mine ask, you know, what were you saying there in real life? And I said. I was saying something like, you know, I just took that five minor chord and substituted it for the flat seven. It worked great. <laughs> I I like the the dinner table scene because Buddy smells his plate. He picked up. Yeah, his I've plate had a couple it. people say that. You know, yeah. and the other thing about that scene that I didn't catch all the times that I watched the video before it came out, but a friend of mine, Blue Foley, um, texted me just bawling. He said, "Man, I'm just I'm in tears over here." Is when it when the line at the very end says, you know, after there was always something needing fixing, and then when it says there was always someone there to listen, that's when you all bow your head to pray. Oh, dude, you're going to get me crying. I can't do that on um, recording. <laughs> and, yeah. dude, I, and yeah. I was like, it is, isn't it? And so, and I thought, I swore, I was like, there's no way the video guy did that on purpose. And yeah, then yeah. we were shooting stuff for the third single, the video for that uh, last week. Uh, and I asked him, I said, hey, did you did you put that line? And he just started shaking his head before I even finished the question. Yes. He was like, oh, yeah. He said, yeah, <laughs> I had that I had that somewhere else. But then I was like, there's always someone there, someone there to listen. I was like, oh, no, that 
bowing their heads goes right there. I was like, get out. I said, dude, that's awesome. Perfect. And, and, and you do what us good Southern gents do. You always take your hat off when it's time to, to pray. I, I appreciated that as well. Yeah, yeah. I come from that old guard where you you take the hat off, but you know, like I said, I, I'm I'm an old school guy now. But I appreciated that. But yeah, a well done video. Couldn't have got any better. And unfortunately, all of that uh, for a guy like me, and especially the kids, the the new kids, that's it's a quaint memory. It's like watching Mayberry. Like nobody does any of that anymore, and it's mm-hmm. really sad. It's really unfortunate. I mean, some yeah. people do, but I mean, that's what everybody yearns for, and and, and that, you know, that's what we're lacking. So it's, yeah. it's it was well done. Thank you. What um, what's your favorite song? What's the one you the was your favorite on the album? The one you love the best, or do you love them all equally? Um, you know, call it even is um, obviously for me personally, just uh, um, it's a solo ride. I wrote it by myself. It probably took me six months to write it. Um, and the fact that it's uh, uh, you know, like God gives you some songs. Uh, he he gives you some songs to help pay your bills, but he gives he gives you some songs um, to heal you and to help heal you, and that's kind of what he did with that one. Um, Humankind is also a big uh, deal um, on the record uh, for me, um, but you know, I I am I, I love I do uh, love every every song on the record. Um, you know, but my if I had to if I had to pick favorites, it would be Call It Even and Humankind. I mean, those are two two of the best songs my name's ever been on. Yeah, um, and I've written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of songs. So I hear um, that's saying a lot if that's if that's the cream of the crop. But yeah, it's a it's great and 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 it's good from beginning to end. I mean, I I didn't even know the timing of it till you told me, but I just enjoyed it the whole way through. It's a Thank it's a life you. lesson, and there's something in there everybody can grab from, unless they were just raised in a cave or something. Yeah. Um, what about? Uh, I was reading in the in the liner notes. One of these songs had like an 1840s Martin guitar on it. I didn't even know such a thing existed. Me either. I was <laughs> like, it's a buddy of mine named David Penny Baker. He started out as just a fan down here in Texas. Uh, he saw me years ago at a little place called Cadillac Pizza Pub, and kind of started following me around and you know to shows and stuff and showing up and then we've become really good friends and um and so it was a couple of years ago i think he came to a show and he says hey man i just i bought this 1840s martin today and this guy's got like 80 guitars right he collects mm-hmm. them and uh, i've been in that room once it's unbelievable just it looks like a guitar center <laughs> you know just literally all four walls covered in guitars and so anyway, um, he said, "Mom, I'm gonna bring it out," and uh, and he's a big fan of songwriters in general. So you know, he would take it to all his songwriter friends, take it to the show, and let us play it. And um, so I played it, and it had this really cool, unique tone to it. And uh, and I said, I said, you know, I said, whenever I do this record, I said, I may, I may reach out to you to, you know, borrow that to record it. He's like, I'd love it, man. Just let me know. So. And uh, and then as I was putting the record together, and that was definitely on my mind. I was like, I got to find a song to put that on. And then it just seemed to make sense that 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 song that's about my granddaughter Kaya, uh, right reasons. It's what I call a wisdom song. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's advice from your elder kind of thing. Um, and uh, and I thought, well, what more perfect song? Uh, than a wisdom song to put a 180 year old guitar on. Yeah, wow. You know, if 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 anything's wise, it's something that's 180 years old. Yeah, and 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 the and the way it sounds, like I can only imagine it play. I mean, to be held up like that and be a Martin, the thing's probably priceless or close to it. Yeah, I I didn't even ask what he paid for it. I didn't <laughs> want to know. Yeah. I was super like super careful with it when I carried it. You know. Because um, I had um, uh, I had a couple different guys play it on the record because I started one version, one arrangement uh, of that song, uh, and then decided that wasn't the way to put it together. I was it wasn't it wasn't making the hairs on my arms stand up. So I started over and I had another dude. So I had to borrow the guitar twice um, 
because I, I had to call David and be like, hey, yeah, that first version, I'm, I'm going to trash the whole thing, start over. I need to borrow the guitar again for this other good dude to play on it. Yeah. And uh, and so I borrowed it twice, and both times I was like carrying it like it was made of a, a very thin glass. <laughs> yeah. Like it was made out of unicorn horn. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm not dropping this thing. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. But, yeah, I just I loved that when I saw it. I was like, you know, I've, I've seen some guitars like, like Gruen's here in Nashville has some from, like, the early turn of the century. I don't think I've ever seen one from the 1800s, so that must have been really remarkable. So that's cool. Can't yeah. be too many floating around. No, no. And it plays great. Yeah, that's so amazing. That's awesome. But stay um, in tune. I uh, I'm a rhythm section guy, but my dad plays bluegrass music. He's a guitarist, and I've always been taught Martin is the creme de la creme. But um, just couldn't imagine. I was like, wow, 1840s. Like you said, I mean, we're approaching like that's almost a 200 year old uh, right functioning instrument. <laughs> yeah, that's great, man. I love that story. I mean, Thank you for sharing that with me. That's uh, that's too cool. Um, another thing I really enjoyed about your uh, your your work is that your songwriting colleagues sing your praises, and you got some heavy hitters on there. That's got to make you feel good about yourself. It was uh, it was yeah, that was pretty awesome to say the least. I might have I might have shed a few tears when I uh, saw those. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome because I remember the first time I met Tony Arada here, and I'm looking at him, and when he said his name, I was like, Is this the guy that wrote the dance? Which is <laughs> Probably yeah. one of the greatest songs ever written, or yeah. is. And it's like there's so much beauty behind it, and here he is bragging you up. I'm like, oh, if Tony Arada is just is singing you, then you you've got it going. And sure enough, you did. So all them guys are definitely right about you. So, yeah, thanks. Are you gonna Are you gonna tour with it? Are you gonna do any of that kind of stuff, or attempt to, or any internet live streams or stuff like that? Oh yeah, um, you know I'm a, and obviously uh, you know this by listening to the record. Um, I'm a listening room kind of artist <laughs> and a yeah, house sure, sure. kind of artist. Uh, you know, I, uh, if I'm in a in a venue where people are are paying attention to the words, you know, we'll be fine. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not uh, the barbecue joint or the honky tonk where everybody's wanting to dance all night. I love that stuff. I do, but uh, those people aren't going to get what I do, and they're not going to really be like you know, and uh, and that's no problem. But um, so yeah, I'm gonna try to uh, do the house concert thing and the listening room thing, um, uh, especially as we come out of this pandemic and things uh, return to normal. Um, and I'm gonna try to, you know, especially here in Texas, but I'm gonna try to also uh, get outside of that um, because there are other um, songwriting pockets uh, across the United States where there's a, a good little scene for it, you know. So. Yeah, we'll get out there and and uh, and play these things. I was thinking a good setting for it would be like the the upper room there at the City Winery in Nashville. Oh yeah, the City Winery's great. I've only been there once, but what a great venue, man! It is. Uh, I went one time to see a young lady's showcase and uh, was not dressed the way I should have been to be in there and fell mm-hmm. out out of pocket. But yeah, definitely, definitely a nice. Uh, business casual atmosphere but I was like man I should have wore some better slacks here I had had some rusty old jeans on but right but nobody judged me too bad <laughs> yeah but, that's yeah. the great thing about Nashville is you can pretty much go to anything you know uh, pretty much dress however you want I remember one time a friend of mine got me a seat at the uh, BMI Christian Music Awards nice yeah and, uh, and they were like and I was like, I didn't really like bring. I didn't. I definitely didn't bring anything dressy, you know. I was like, I got button-up, you know, plaid flannel shirt and some nice jeans. Oh, that's fine, man. <laughs> <laughs> I walked in. Everybody was in suits and tuxes. Yeah, even the Duck Dynasty guys get dressed up for stuff like that. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh, I felt so out of place. I was just squirmed in the whole time but the people at my table were so they were so nice you know they didn't say anything about it they're like hey man are, we, are you a writer oh yeah da, 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 da. we're just yeah. chatting you know and i was like man yeah i'll never I, do that uh, again i did i remember i did a red carpet like that when they opened the george jones museum a few years back here in nashville same thing a button up and some and some jeans and i'm there with my microphone trying to interview people and they were looking at me like, oh, this poor guy's hungry. We need to get him a plate. <laughs> right? Because, you know, right? that's what I felt like. Yeah. I was like, oh, no. 
you know, tuxes, gowns, the whole shebang, and here I am, you know, look like, I mean, granted, it's a nice-looking shirt, but it's not like, oh, I should have dressed more right. appropriate. <laughs> oh, man. But you, you live and learn. That's the beauty. I, if I could afford it, I'd dress like Porter Wagner, all those nice sparkly rhinestone outfits, but uh-huh. yeah, don't yeah. have the budget yet. One day. <laughs> yeah, what's that guy in Nashville that designs all that stuff? Oh, Manuel. Yes. He's actually going to be on this podcast with you when I when I post it. Oh, is he? That's amazing. I yeah. first saw Manuel at the old Nashville uh, Deli, mm-hmm. which is another thing that's been torn down that breaks my heart. But I would when I I would usually eat breakfast there for years mm-hmm. when I was in Nashville, and I would see him in there, and I'd see him in there with his daughters sometimes. And I remember seeing him the first time, being like, "Who is that dude?" Yeah, and then I figured out who it was, and I was like, "Get out!" Yeah, he, he was, was just always cool. so cool, man. Yeah, the people he's dressed. Um, I like I said, I can't afford his suits, but if I'm ever downtown, I'll go in there and like put on a jacket if they'll let me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. you know, if I hit the lottery, I'd be in there. Like I said, like Porter Wagner, I'll take all of those, and and, and the more rhinestones, the better. Yeah, and come to think of it, he would be like the closest real life thing. To uh, that Bill Secchi's the most interesting man in the world. Oh, no doubt, man. Did a gold suit for Elvis. They they say he he did the uh, uh, Lonely Hearts Club, Sergeant Pepper's album cover. Stop. Uh, really? Yeah, and the man's in his 90s and is still doing it. Like, still, yeah. like, you walk in there and there he'll be. But um, what made me think of him is that they, they offered an uh, interview opportunity with him this week, and I usually try to – you know, pair a couple of people that fit good together, and then you and him are going to be on here. So that's awesome. Yeah, I'll see if he'll send you a shirt and send me one too. <laughs> I have to, I have to go somewhere. I got to go to the bank and take out a loan. They are so pricey, but like, I mean, everybody wears them, so I understand. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you you got to ask. All they can say is no. That's right. You know what? I interned. Okay, you know about Nashville. I interned at 22 at KDF, which is now Nash FM. And the guy I interned with, his name was Jeff Lyons, uh, one of the coolest people ever. And he gave me the advice I live by. It's better to um, uh, beg for forgiveness than ask permission. Yeah. But like you said, you know, you, you can you can ask you either get a yes or no. But I've, I live my whole life. To, and it's true. Sometimes you get a yes, sometimes you get a no. And nine times out of ten, you know, it's forgotten about within an hour, good or bad. So. Well, you know, I'm, too, it's funny you bring that up because there's actually something that ties into the record with all that. Um, I Very much, I've always believed this, or not always, I've really put it into action probably in the last five to ten years about, you know what, just ask. Like, don't, all they can say is no. Like, you know, don't step, you know, completely socially out of bounds, um, but if yeah. there's any inkling of this would make sense to ask, ask. And I had a I had opened for Walt Wilkins several times um, in the year and a half or so leading up to me starting this record, and I had met him and chat with him, chatted with him a little bit, and and he seen the dig, what he heard, and everything, and, and I had his email and stuff. Um, so when I started working on Dad's Garage and Mama's Kitchen, and I decided to get a different singer on every song. Um, and I was, and because of that, I was like, I want to try to find the right voice for every lyric, you know, the right vocal personality that mm-hmm. fits each song. And I thought, you know, Walt, Walt would be really cool, I think, vocally on Dad's Garage and Mom's Kitchen. And so I was just like, I emailed him. I was like, all you say is no. Yeah. And, uh, after a couple of weeks, I hadn't heard back, and so I emailed him back, and it was some. My second email was something like, Hey, if that um. If me asking you, Walt Wilkins, to sing on my record is completely out of line, let's just pretend I never sent that first email, LOL. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he emailed right back. He's like, oh, no, dude, I'm sorry. It just got – it got buried in the, in the you know, in, in the email bin. I, sure, I'll sing on your record. That's awesome. Man, what a story. And, 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 and like um, you said, you're, that's great. And, and the way you handle it, too, been the same way I would have. I always retract and and apologize, but nine times out of ten, you know, people like yourself and him, they're so you're so busy, it's just it's just you can kind of rehammering it in there. Well I tell people like that too, like and then that led really to me having a whole bunch of really cool I decided two people in. It was Walt first and then Susan Gibson sang on Crazy Till It Works and she wrote Wide Open Spaces for the Dixie Chicks. 
Yeah. Oh, and, they're uh, just, the, just the chicks now. We've got to be Yeah, the chicks. Correct. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, after those two, I was like, you know what? I'm I'm going to get all Texas singer-songwriters, right, yeah. on here. And um, uh, Scott, what got me to that? Um, what got me to that part? Uh, I forgot where I was going with that. But anyway, the um, yeah, yeah. Uh, ended up having you know her and Tina Wilkins Walt's wife sang on it, and John Randall, um, who's a Texas boy. And a lot of people in Nashville don't really realize that, but uh, he's a Texas boy, and uh, he sang on Crazy but True. And Zane Williams, I know you you know who Zane Williams is, right? Uh huh. Yeah. He's a he's a boy. He's something else. He and I, now he and I have actually been friends for probably I don't know ten or twelve years. But um, yeah, so it was man, it was a blessing to get all those folks. And I was I was happy to have a Texas thread besides me running through the whole record. And so that's what I did with all the harmony parts was you know had it all Texas people. So yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, you're talking about Zane. Zane actually wrote a song I enjoyed that. Haven't thought about it in a while. It's called Hurry Home. Oh man, yeah. so good. Yeah, great, good stuff. A, a true Texas troubadour, that that gentleman. He is. But, He's a beast yeah. of a writer. Yeah, I know, and that's one thing I've always been. I've admired folks is their writing skills. I've got uh, the emotions in my heart, just can't put it down to pen and paper. But I'm sure if I wrote a hundred songs plus a year the way you do, I'd bound to hit something or attempt to. <laughs> It does. It does take some practice. That's for sure. It's one of the things I say to folks when they come up to me after the show, and oh yeah, and they're and they're you know just loving the songs and stuff, and I and I say thank you, and then sometimes they go, I've been practicing a lot. <laughs> well, that's good. Keep, keep on, keep on digging. Yep. You hit, hit one of them oil veins. that wraps up another fun-filled, action-packed, awesome edition of Josh Belcher's Uncharted podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Josh Belcher of Uncharted. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, because without you, there's no reason to do this. If you have anybody you think would be a great guest, or you just want to ask me a question to answer on the podcast, Belcher at Hotmail.com. Special thanks to my guest, fashion icon, Manuel, singer-songwriter, Scott Sean white and i want you to have an awesome phenomenal spectacular week full of happiness skittles sunshine and rainbows no hardships just all gets and shiggles and i want you to remember i love you for you and where you're at in life and we will catch you later down the line as we get closer and closer to episode number 100 and then right after that 104 makes two years of the uncharted podcast now remember i have a bushel basket of buttons that says thank you for two years and stickers if you want one hit me up email or if you see me out and about ask for one and i will slide one your way all right we'll catch you next time thanks